Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, we just turn our hearts to you today. We open our hearts to you, to your spirit, to your word. We are your people. Obedient to you and to your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Um, don't know quite where to start today. Last uh, Thursday, when did you come over? Thursday or Friday? Friday. Darren, Lisa, and the boys came over for a visit, and. Uh, we kind of got on the topic a little bit of, of what, uh, what, what we would call seeker-friendly churches. There are some churches that have tailored their, their services so that, so that newcomers feel very comfortable. You know, they, 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 the music's not too loud or, or the messages aren't too harsh. Or, you know, I mean, what you really want to do is not scare people off, not have them come to church and say, whoa, you know, that was too much for me. And the pros and cons of, of, of either side of that. One of the one of the things you, one of the things you have to remember is you catch your fish first and then you clean them. So you want you want people to be drawn to Jesus, but you but at the same time I don't, you you don't want to give them a false impression of what Christianity is all about, because God does require a total commitment on our part once we surrender. So. And I feel like sometimes, uh, maybe, uh, maybe when I when I preach, uh, I just want to tell people, you know, come to Jesus, and and die, you know. <laughs> that's that's a wonderful message, but the re- the reward of coming to Jesus is astronomical. It's eternal. It's eternal. It's eternal destiny. It's about your eternal destiny. And I just, I want to, I want to make, I don't ever want to make Jesus seem unattractive to people. But at the same time, I want to tell them the truth of what God's going to do, what, what God is going to demand from them. Because I don't want people to come to, to, to come to Jesus and then find out that God wants them to quit sleeping with their girlfriends. They say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, no, I'm sure you don't. But if you're going to walk with God, you got to, you got to, you got to, Live a certain type of lifestyle, and it's not boring. I don't think living for Jesus is boring. It's wonderful. I wouldn't give it up for anything. And you know, so I guess I look at myself sometimes. You know that saying, "You can't teach an old dog new tricks." I don't. I don't want to become just an old, an old man so set in his ways that I can't. I can't uh, move into move into what God's doing today. But I got to be me. 
So with all that said, I'm going to preach a hard word today. <laughs> Get ready. But it's a good word. You know, years ago, when uh, Redeeming Love Fellowship Church was still uh, in on Canterbury, in that little church on Canterbury Road, the corner of Gulf and Canterbury Road, Ron, Pastor Ron Smallman was, was the pastor. And this is, oh boy, 25 years, 25, 30 years ago. And they had a, they had a guest ministry come in. His name was Steve Scheffler. Remember Steve Scheffler? Yeah. And uh, he preached, and then he started prophesying over people, kind of like what Pastor Jim does or Pastor Greg. And he called me out. He said, I have a word for you. And I came down, and he says, I have a word for you, but it's a strong word. Do you want it? It's a, no, it's a, hard, it's a hard word. Do you want it? And, of course, in, in front of everybody, what am I going to say? No, I just want an easy word. But I did, you know, I want, I want to hear what God has to say to me. And this, this, is, this is how it started off. He said, you've given me much, says the Lord, but I want it all. I'll never forget that. You've given me much, but I want it all. Basically, God was saying, you've given, you've given me much, but much isn't enough. I want it all. And we have to be careful that we don't, any one of us, reach that point in our walk with God where we feel like, well, I've given him much, and that's enough. God wants it all from all of us. Because he loves us, and he, wa he wants... He wants us to reap the benefits of, of everything he has for us. Anyway. One of the scriptures that was coming to me as I was getting ready is in Hebrews twelve fourteen. You don't have to go there. It says, pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no man will see the Lord. God does require from us a, a, a lifestyle of separation from, from worldly things. And that's what I want. I want all the benefits that God has for me. And I want to lay down my life for him because he laid down his life for me. With that being said, I want to start this morning in Ezekiel chapter 44. Ezekiel 44. In verse 10. But the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray who went astray from me after their idols shall bear the punishment for their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary. Isn't that amazing? Let me read that again. Look at what, the, look what it's saying. The Levites went far from me, but they're still ministering in my sanctuary. 
But the Levites who went far from me when, when Israel went astray, who went, who went astray from me after their idols, shall bear the punishment of their, for their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. Because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity to the house of Israel. Therefore I have sworn against them, declares the Lord, declares the Lord God, and they shall bear the punishment for their iniquity. And they shall not come near to me to serve as a priest to me, nor come near to any one of my holy things, to the things that are most holy, but they will bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the house, of all its service, of all that shall be and all that shall be done in it. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my char- who kept who kept charge of my sanctuary, when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. And they shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister to me and to keep my charge. It shall be when they enter the gates of the, of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and wool shall not, come, shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner courts and in the house. Linen turbans shall be on their heads, and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that makes them sweat. Two types of ministries. One, backslidden, led the people astray. The other one kept the charge of the Lord and ministered and was faithful to him even when others weren't. There's another priest that's it does it, it names the good ones as the sons of Zadok. The others the others that went astray, it doesn't name them, but it's it's similar to me to uh, to another priest that we read about in the Bible in 1 Samuel named Eli. Eli was a high priest in his day, several hundred, a few hundred years before this, but it's the same kind of thing. Eli was a priest in his day, but he was backslidden. He was corrupt. He wasn't, he wasn't a godly man at all. He forgot what the priesthood was all about. The Bible says he was very heavy. And that, it's, a, it's a type. You know, when the Bible describes somebody, a lot of times it's a type of how they are spiritually. He was very heavy. He was very carnal. He's a very carnal man. He was ruled by his flesh. He had become undisciplined. He was almost blind. and He had lost his vision physically, but he also lost his vision spiritually. You remember when Hannah, who was to become Samuel's mother, was crying out to have a child. Remember, Eli thought she was drunk. He couldn't discern that she was pouring out her heart to God. He said, put away your wine. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. And his sons were corrupt. His sons were sleeping with women. And 
it wasn't a church, it was the same, it was a temple, but he was sleeping with, sleeping with women. His sons, wouldn't, his sons did not have regard for the offerings of the people. There was a strict rule for, for how much the priest should have and when he should take it. But when people came and they started preparing their offering, the sons would just go in and take whatever they want. And if somebody tried to stop them, they said, you better, you better not say anything to us, we'll hurt you, we'll kill you. And Eli would not discipline his sons. It was one of his gravest faults. So God replaced him with the prophet Samuel. But he was a mess spiritually. But he was still, Eli was a mess spiritually, but he was still the high priest. He was still in the ministry. He was still doing, you might say, church stuff. His personal sin did not stop him from ministering. And I think this has been a, this has been a mystery for, for, for a lot of people over the years, when they see somebody who's in ministry but with sin in their life and continues to function in ministry for a season. God will put up with things for a season. But when they're sitting in their personal life and they keep functioning in ministry, you know, it makes you wonder, doesn't, doesn't God see, doesn't God care, doesn't God know, how, you know, how can this happen? We've seen, we've seen it many times in our, in our life. Ministries that fall into sin but continue to minister for, for a period of time. But Romans chapter 11, it says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. When God gives a gift, he doesn't, he doesn't take it away. That gift will still continue to function for a while. And gross sin can be happening in the life of of a ministry, and for a season, God will allow that ministry to continue to function. You might say, Pastor, that, that's, that's a good sermon for ministers, but I'm not a ministry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a believer. I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. But the same can apply for us who are Christians. Someone who's a Christian, who at one point gave their life to Christ, can fall into sin. And for a season, there seems to be no consequence. It's like, it's like God, doesn't, God doesn't see or God doesn't care. Or he, he's just letting us get away with it. But there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 that says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of, them, of men among them are given fully to do evil. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. When it seems like there's no consequence to, a, to our uh, backslidden lifestyle, it's like, oh, we must be getting away with it. But we're not. When our attitude as a believer starts to be, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, uh, and I'll repent later. I had someone say that to me years ago. There was a, a young man in the church that started living with his girlfriend. And they're both, they both Christians. And I went to see him. I said, what are you guys doing? This, this isn't God. You can't, you can't live this way. If you want to live together, get married. And he said, oh. I said, he said, oh, we'll sleep together, but we'll, we'll repent in the morning. I said, no, re repentance doesn't mean you ask God to forgive you, and then you're going to go do it again the next night and ask God to forgive you. Repentance means you change, you change your lifestyle. 
But we can't be callous about our walk with God. If we're backslidden, eventually there's going to be trouble spiritually. You know, you can't judge someone by outward appearances of success. Just because someone has achieved a measure of success doesn't mean they're, they're right with God. And I'm not just talking about ministry. We've seen, we've seen it in the news over the last few years. Oh, so many times. People who are high up in, in corporate America, in politics, in entertainment, <clears throat> in the media, I'm thinking of certain, I'm not going to call any names, I'm thinking of names that, that just pop up. People that have, been, that have been found to have sexual sin in their life and, ha- and had to give up their jobs, give up their positions. In fact, some of them even, some of them even went to jail because of life, but, they, but you, didn't, you didn't know that for a while until it was exposed. They may have a, an appearance of success, but their private lives were very corrupt. In the text we read about, in the text we read about two types of ministry. One that's backslidden. One that's it, it's not it's not the ministry of Eli, but it's I'm, I'm, I'll give it I'll just name it that because that's because Eli was a backslidden minister. The ministry of Eli and the and the priesthood of Zadok. The 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 priesthood of Eli is wrong. They're not living right. They're corrupt. But for a season, God's still going to use them. But look what it says in verse 11. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house, and ministering in the house. And they shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice of the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. They shall stand before the people to minister to the people, but they won't stand before me to minister to me, God says. I'm still going to use them for a season. I'm still going to let them minister, but they'll minister to them, the people, but they'll not come near me, says God. Someone who's not living right, God will still use them for a season, and I'll tell you why. Number one, because God loves the people. God will put in, will allow a gift to flow and will actually allow the anointing to come upon somebody because of the people that they're preaching to. Because the people that they're preaching to are hungry for God. They want God. So God will let something flow through, through a, a tainted vessel to them because their hearts are right and they're seeking God. So God will, will allow that gift to flow, function for a while because he loves the people that they're preaching to. It has nothing to do with God approving them. And the other reason why God will allow that to happen is because he's, he's giving him time to repent, to change. What does the Bible say? He says God's not slow about his promises, but he wants everyone to repent and to change and come to him. The priesthood of Eli is one of compromises. I'm going to live the way I want to live. But they'll minister to them, the Bible says. They'll minister to the people, but they will not minister to me. They will not have intimacy with me. They will not come near me and know my presence. So I ask, when I, when I read it, I say, what kind, of, what kind of life do I want? 
What kind of walk do I want with God? Do I want a walk that's outwardly holy, that looks spiritual, but is not, but in reality is not, is compromised and carnal? Or do I want real intimacy with God? If I was in sin, if I was backslidden, and don't worry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, about, I'm not about ready to confess some gross sin. Up. So what's pastor getting into? He, he's getting ready to confess some major shortcoming. No, uh, I'm, real, I'm walking with God, I am, best of my knowledge. But if I was in sin, if I was backslidden, the gift would still function for a, for a season, but I'd be in danger of what Jesus talked about in Matthew 7. Talked about those who cast out demons in his name, prophesied in his name, did miracles in his name. But when it's all said and done, Jesus said, go for me, I've never, I never knew you. It's not about what you, it's not about how the gift operated. It's about our relationship. It's the most important thing. Relationship with God is, is paramount. My walk with him, my heart after him. It's how you finish that matters. There's a scripture, where is that? In Jeremiah or Ezekiel, I forget where it is now. Talks, there's a whole section in, that, in, in the Bible that talks about a man who lived, lived righteously for many years of his life, but then fell into iniquity and sin. He says in the end, he's going he's, he's to be judged as a sinner. But a man who is living in sin, who turns from his sin and repents and begins to walk in righteousness will be judged righteous before God. And the, and the scripture says, the people, the people say, that's not right. Yeah, God says, basically what God says, it's how you finish that matters. The worst thing we can do is start good and end up bad. The best thing we can do is start good and stay good, but the next best thing is to start bad and turn, and turn good. And walk with God and spend eternity with him when it's all said and done. I want to enjoy life. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy the things of this world. But I want to be pure. I want to be clean. I want to be holy. I want to be sanctified and set apart for God. It's not a matter of how I look outwardly or what others think. What does God see when he looks at me? That's my question as the priesthood of Eli. But in verse 15, it says, there's a verse, there's a priesthood of Zadok who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me. Everybody else was kind of drifting. But Zadok and, the, and his brothers, the Levites, said, no, we're going to stay true to God. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter what other ministries are doing. We're going to stay faithful to God. And they'll minister to me and they'll come near to me, to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the, the fat, the blood, declares the Lord God. They kept my charge when others went astray, and for that, they'll come near to me and minister to me. Verse 17, 
speaks of the priests wearing linen undergarments. And that's a type of purity, but it's a purity that's, that can't be seen. The other garments covered it. You didn't know whether they had the other undergarments on or not. And that's the way it is with our personal walk with God. It's what, it's what people can't see that matters. Nobody knows what's on the inside of us. Nobody knows what's on the inside of me. My wife doesn't know what I'm thinking all the time. And I don't know what she's thinking. She doesn't know what I watch or what I look at at 4 o'clock in the morning when I get up. If I spend some time awake for a while, a lot of times I'll do that and then I'll go back to bed for a couple more hours. But I'll be up for an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Nobody sees me, but God sees me. Nobody knows what I'm watching, but God does. Nobody knows whether I'm praying or not, but God does. I want to be pleasing to God. I want everything God wants for me, and I want everything God wants for you. And I want to lay my life down for my, for my wife, my family, and for the people in this church to benefit from everything that God has for us. Holiness, for the most part, is internal. It's private. It's between us and God. Every one of us is faced with two options. There are those people who are saved, who are born again, but to some degree they refuse to let God have his, have his way in their lives. They want to hang on to certain things, to certain ways of life. And they can still be saved and go to heaven, but they won't have intimacy with God. There are others who will say, God, anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, I surrender it. Anything you need to remove and change, I give it to you, God. I'll take up my cross and follow you. God says, come. Come in and have relationship with me. Have intimacy with me. Man looks on the outward the Bible says, but God looks in the heart. I don't know what's in a person's heart. I can't tell you by what I see. The Pharisees in Jesus' day appeared holy on the outside. But Jesus said they're full of hypocrisy and pride and corruption. Two ministers, two types of ministry. Eli and Zadok, but only one ministers to God. And the difference is that which we can't see, the linen undergarments. It's not what's going on in a person's public life, but what's going on in their private life that matters. And here's where the fear of the Lord kind of works its way in. I, th I thought there's two, two topics that we don't preach much about in the church but needs to be holiness and the fear of the Lord. Because God is long-suffering. We have to understand, I have to understand in my own life. God is long-suffering, but he's not indefinitely long-suffering. At some point, God says, Enough. I read, I read through my Old Testament once a year. So in the latter couple of months of the year, I'm, I'm reading the, 
the prophets. And I was reading recently Jeremiah. It's remarkable. You know, God's, God's people were backslidden. They turned to idolatry. They, they stiffened their necks against God for hundreds of years. And God loved them. And because God loved them, he sent them, the Bible says he sent them prophet after prophet after prophet saying, repent. If you don't repent, God's going to judge you. Repent. If you don't repent, God's going to judge you. And generations went by. Finally, God said, God said to the prophet Jeremiah three times in that book, he said, don't pray for them. Stop praying for them. They're going into captivity. It's over. My long suffering has ended. I've given them enough opportunity. They're going into captivity. And God's, God's favor does come to an end at some point. God put up with Sodom and Gomorrah for who knows how long. But at some point he said, enough. The key is what's in our hearts. Because there's people who stumble, who have weaknesses in their life, but their heart is right. They want to do right. We've, we've known them. They have certain aspects of their life that they, it, it, it grieves them. They don't want to be that way. They're repentant. They're sorrowful. Maybe they'll slip again, but they repent. They're sorrowful. They may, at some point later, they might slip again, but they're repentant and they're sorrowful. In their heart, they don't want to be that way. They, they want to change. I tell you, God will go a long way with that person. He'll hang in and with them forever until they get victory. the person who's callous about their walk, who really doesn't care, is not totally surrendered, not concerned about their sins or their weaknesses. They have to be careful because you don't know when the consequences of that callousness will manifest in our lives. To be used of God is a precious thing. Zadok or Eli. Outward religion or intimacy. The choice is ours. There's a new year coming. People, a lot of times people make uh, vows. They make promises. This year, I'm going to go on a diet. This year, I'm going to get in shape. That usually lasts, uh, that's done before Valentine's Day. A couple weeks usually hang in there. I just want to encourage everyone to make next year a year where we draw ever closer to God. We surrender to him to a degree like we've never had. We give it all up. We let God really be Lord in our lives. I'm not saying you're not. I just feel to encourage everyone, myself included, to draw even closer to God. We don't know what's coming on the earth. We don't know what we have to be ready for. But if you're close to God, no matter what comes, his strength, his spirit, his peace will rule the world. And you won't, you won't, you won't have to fold. You don't have to be 
in panic and fear. God will be with us to carry us through whatever comes. I know this is kind of a hard word. You know, whenever my wife's my wife's my, my wife knows I don't, I'd rather not preach this mess. I'd rather preach God loves you and God's going to bless you and he's going to dump all kinds of good things on you. And he is. But there's a part we have to play. After the Bible, Jesus said you have to take up your cross daily and follow him. And that's what I want to do. And I pray that's what you want to do too. Pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Praise God. Father, I thank you for the privilege of giving our lives to you. For the privilege of laying down our lives so that you could be manifested in us and through us. We bless you, Lord. We surrender to you, spirit, soul, and body. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.